0: Hey, welcome and greetings from Elfie's World. This is the place where we try to bring you a little fun, pique your interest, and well maybe, maybe even give you an opportunity to learn a thing or two about history. Boy, I am so glad you decided to join us. Now today, we're presenting another program from our collection of stories entitled Elfie's Amazing But True Tales. These are, well, they're true stories which have often been excluded from the pantheon of history for well, for whatever reason. My name is Elfie Wolfram and I hope you enjoy our presentation. This is episode number 43 and it is entitled Man with a Vision. So, kick back, relax, and enjoy. You know, it's almost impossible to imagine the the, the fear that one must feel when confronted by an out-of-control lynch mob. But that was exactly what happened to Lawrence Clifton Jones. Born in St. Joseph, Missouri, on November 21, 1882, Lawrence came from a, a family of African-American educators. His uncle, Pryor Foster, began the Woodstock Manual Labor Institute in Michigan in 1844. Designed to serve, quote, colored people and others, the institute taught, a, well, a, a wide range of subjects and was one of the nation's first integrated schools. Lawrence would move to Iowa where he received his education graduating from the University of Iowa in 1908. He then received a generous offer of a job with the very prestigious Tuskegee Institute of Alabama. But he turned it down. He was a man with a calling. And as he would later relate, He then moved south to answer to the cries of my people for the opportunities of education which were being denied them. And so, he headed for Mississippi. Now, in his early years, Jones had always admired Booker T. Washington, the famed American educator, author, and orator. On numerous occasions, The two of them even corresponded. From this friendship, Jones gained a belief that African-Americans needed to, well, they needed to work for their education. By doing so, he felt that they would gain practical skills that would help them later in life. When he first arrived in Hinn County, Mississippi, he began teaching at a small primary school for African-American children. A devout Christian, Jones attended church every week. Now, on one Sunday, he overheard a group of church leaders discussing their desire to begin a high school for African-American students in their community. (laughs) After looking into the possibilities... He soon discovered that the need for such a school was even greater amongst the children of nearby Rankin County, Mississippi. At that time, 80% of that county was illiterate. With joy in his heart and overwhelming faith in God's calling for his life and only $1.65 in his pocket. He gathered up a few textbooks and boarded a train for Piney Woods, Mississippi. He hoped it would be his new mission in life. Unfortunately, he had no idea where to start. Then, in 1909, while resting under a cedar tree, he made his decision. Lawrence decided to start his new school right then and there. And so, he began the Piney Woods Country Life School outside with three students, using a pine stump for his desk. From the beginning, he was determined that even though the school had nothing, No student would ever be turned away. Now, that was when a local freed slave named Ed Taylor stepped in. Ed Taylor, who had known the oppressions of slavery, gave Jones 40 acres with an abandoned sheep shed, which was used as the school's first building. Local people contributed to the growth of the school, which concentrated on vocational skills along with the three R's, reading, writing, and arithmetic. Now, Lawrence's goal was to provide education for the children of the poor, African-American farmers, and former slaves of that community who had no money to send their children to school. In the early days, education on that school did indeed concentrate on vocational skills along with those same three R's. To make ends meet, in lieu of tuition, he would accept produce, eggs, poultry, even livestock from the farms of the student's parents. In 1913, the Piney Woods Life School received its official charter. By this time, Lawrence had hired five additional teachers, including Grace Allen Jones, a young lady Lawrence had married only a year earlier. Before long, they were attracting students from well from throughout southern Mississippi and, and as far away as Florida and Louisiana. It looked like Lawrence and well, and his school had finally rounded a corner and were heading for success. Then, as quickly as it had begun, it suddenly looked as it was the end of the line for both Jones and his school in nineteen eighteen, Jones was captured. By a lynch mob. Now, from 1882 to 1968, lynch mobs, well, they were common throughout the United States, especially in the South. During that time, there were 4,743 recorded lynchings, and many more thought to have gone unrecorded. Almost 73% of those lynched were African-Americans, and the state with the most lynchings was Mississippi. Once a lynch mob was formed and had selected its victim, often even law enforcement officials could not stop them from what they considered their <coughs> duty. Whether or not a lynch mob had any kind of a cause eh, didn't seem to matter much. Few, if any, ever escaped the vengeance of those out-of-control vigilantes. Now, was this to be the end of Lawrence Clifton-Jones and and his beloved school? Would this angry mob have its way? I mean, what was he to do? Well, you know, the greatest fiction writer ever could not have conceived what happened next. It looked like young Mr. Jones had finally met his match in a real life-and-death situation. The mob had their rope, and they had their next victim. In a final appeal to the mob assembled, Lawrence Jones asked if he could, well, explain why he should be allowed to live. (laughs) There must have been many in that crowd who felt that, well, any explanation would be little more than a joke, as well as a waste of time. Minds had already been made up, and they wanted someone to hang. But, well, to humor him, he was allowed to speak. Lawrence began by explaining his deep calling from God. Detailing the dire need for his school there in Mississippi, he explained how, well, it could change people's lives, perhaps even the fortunes of this entire community remarkably one by one the members of that lynch mob began to listen unbelievably they finally all agreed to let him go but 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 it didn't stop there oh no by this time the crowd was so moved by his appeal for his school, they even took up a collection to support his students. Now, did Jones come away from that experience with with a hatred for people in general, or or at least the members of that mob? Well, Well, in a book entitled How to Stop Worrying and Start Living, Dale Carnegie recounted the story of Lawrence and that angry mob. He quoted Lawrence as saying, No man can force me to stoop so low as to hate him. Lawrence would go on to praise interracial groups and speak optimistically of white Mississippians who had given up their opposition to African American education. And the Piney Woods Country Life School did indeed go on to flourish with a strong emphasis on music. Today, 98% of its graduates go on to colleges such as Vassar, Amherst, Princeton, and even Harvard. And as for Lawrence, well... He not only lived long enough to see his school succeed, he also became a minor celebrity. During the 1950s, two biographies were written about his life. In addition, he appeared on numerous radio and television programs. In 1954, he was even featured on Ralph Edwards' popular TV program, This is your life. He would remain at the helm of his beloved school until a year before his death in 1975 at the age of 92. Well, what more can be said? Lawrence Clifton Jones was indeed a man of courage and vision. A vision which was amazing and philanthropically true. Well, there you have it. Episode number 43, entitled Man with a Vision. It's part of our weekly series entitled Elfie's Amazing but True Tales. Now, each week we feel privileged to present for your enjoyment and edification a brand new audio story from our collection of amazing but true accounts from history. Now, some of these narratives come from our book entitled Elfie's Amazing But True Tales of American History and More. Now, as a listener to this program, you are entitled to purchase autographed copies of our original book, Elfie's Amazing But True Tales of American History and More at half the publisher's price of $13.95 or a mere $7 per book, and that includes free shipping and handling anywhere in the United States. Well, for more information, merely go to ElfiesWorld.com, that's A-L-F-Y-S, W-O-R-L-D, that's ElfiesWorld.com, and click on Elfie the Writer for more information. And now, I would like to thank the following for helping to make this program possible. First, Garrett Wolfram, our technical producer and supervisor. The late Irene Wolfram, principal editor and provider of Sage Council expert publishing for their help in editing and publishing our book lucas ganza anna waltz for the parlor guitar magic set hoine thomas for the piano introduction Dee demisic for breakfast piano jingle and finally the thousands of readers who have supported our efforts from the beginning